The following podcast has adult themes, sexual content, and strong language, mostly because I have a party mouth. Hi, I'm Adam, and this is Where Is My Nigerian Prince? Each week, I tell the tale of my search for love, the highs, the lows, the utter embarrassments, and the hopefully funny side of single life today. I also fully intend to rope in some friends to tell their stories along the way, and maybe together we can soothe the dating wounds of the entire world. Episode 5, My HIV Positive Prince. Not long after arriving in Australia, I found myself living alone in a cheap room above a pub, the Darlow Bar in Darlinghurst. The rooms were nice and comfortable, but the kitchen and bathrooms were shared. It wasn't exactly my dream life coming true, but it was a start and I was glad to be free. I had been in Sydney for about a month. My work was stable, though not exactly thrilling. I was a cook for KFC, getting by and beginning to make friends. If you looked at things from a dramatic and objective point of view, an outsider might have been worried or even sad for me. I, however, was an optimist and was thrilled and happy. All my life I'd hidden who I was, and now I was taking my first steps into the wild. Not as Adam, near to well and disappointment to my family who could never be forgiven, but Adam, gay man, who was sweet and kind, friendly and funny, and who had no baggage that others would judge me by. It feels like I had only been living there for five minutes before I met Andrew, but it must have been weeks. It is kind of funny how your memory tends to edit out the boring bits. Andrew was significantly older than me at 36 and would not be the last boyfriend I had with an age difference. But age never was a boundary for me. Maybe because it didn't matter. Maybe because my esteem meant attention from anyone could make me feel wonderful. Or maybe because the idea of holding out for Mr. Right just seemed so ridiculous. Or... Maybe it was a bit of all of those things. But when I met Andrew in a bar, I felt an instant attraction and was not about to ignore that. Andrew flirted and I flirted back. He was sweet, I was horny, and I wanted him. But before anything more than a cute first kiss could happen, he took me by the shoulders and looked me in the eye. Adam, I'm HIV positive. You should know that before anything more happens. Though I faked it, I was internally shaken. Here it was the boogeyman of homos everywhere, the faggot disease, proof that God hates fags, and the thing that would tear apart the lives of millions of people everywhere. And he was standing right in front of me. It was 1997. I knew enough, as did the world, and I was well educated by this time on the dangers and how to keep safe. Though many people still to this day hold a stigma, I knew that it wasn't those things I said earlier. It was just a disease, one to be managed and to take care of. So I summoned my courage, and I kissed him again. We can be safe, I said, with a smile. One that made Andrew beam. Looking back, I'm sure he must have experienced so much rejection from every corner of society. He couldn't work at the time, so was surviving on a sickness benefit. Yet he was healthy and strong, but the fear kept him marginalised. Twenty years later, I wonder now if I would have the courage to tell anyone. In this day and age, the medications are advanced and the virus can be controlled without major side effects. In fact, they say most people will live a normal life with it. But I don't know if I could tell anyone in my work for fear of the stigma. And maybe that's a little to do with Andrew. Back in 1997, medications were new and highly experimental, but Andrew was healthy, and my biggest fear, as I fell deeply into infatuation with him, was I would have to watch him die. 
Meanwhile, Andrew and I dated in a whirlwind of romance and cheap restaurants, fun with his friends and nights snuggling on the couch watching TV. Andrew was a talented musician and an artist, and he introduced me to some new and challenging topics that began to open my eyes to the complexity of the world. Two I particularly remember were the pseudoscience of iridology, which is the diagnosis of medical conditions by closely monitoring the colours in your eyes. It was very interesting. And the other one was about the ethics of using medical knowledge that was gathered by the Nazis via experimentation on Jews and homosexuals during the war. It's an almost sideline fact that it was not just the Jewish people who suffered at the hands of the Nazis. They also turned their hate towards homosexuals. They considered us to be mentally or medically diseased, so they experimented with electroshock, medication, castration, lobotomies, and every horror you could ever think of, including many you don't want to know. But not once did they cure one of us. So you might see where some of my staunch positions come from in that particularly ludicrous subject matter. Anyway, I digress. Andrew could do no wrong, and I think he had a bit of a hero complex about me because it wasn't long before I was moving into his flat and being saved from my horrible pub accommodations. Sex was good and always safe, and life was comfortable. But I was young, selfish, and my eyes were blinkered, unconsciously allowing Andrew to do all the housework, not pulling my weight, which led to some of our very few arguments. Most of the time, however, things were just lovely. Here I seemed to have found someone worldly and kind who could fill my emptiness that I didn't know I had. I remember many nights of fun and hilarity, including one particular one, which would turn out to be one of those little pivotal moments that redirect everything. We were watching a movie, something deep and intellectual that I was trying to keep up with, when out of the blue there came a rapid knock on the door, the kind that indicated that there was either excitement or trouble coming. And as Andrew moved quickly to the door, the question was answered for us by a loud, Come on, bitch! You gotta hear this! No more hibernating in there! I heard Andrew chuckle as he opened the door to his excited friend who rushed through, demanding to meet his new man and babbling about something that will change our lives, something that every homosexual must hear. I stood up just in time to shake his hand, and he looked me over like a cider beef until he announced, I'm Mark, you're cute, and everyone needs to look at me. We all laughed as he turned to Andrew, saying, Definitely your type. The whirlwind continued as Andrew and I were both bundled onto the couch and encouraged to sit closely together before Mark turned his back, switched off the TV, and hurriedly shoved a CD into the stereo. This. Oh my god, I was at the CD shop, just listening to music and checking out boys when I decided to listen to this new releases. And this. This is our anthem. This is it, Andy. Love. I love this song. It's the one I will walk down the aisle to. As the CD did its customary loading thing that used to take a few seconds, Mark turned around and leapt on us, sitting across our laps and putting one arm around my shoulder. He looked into Andrew's eyes. Oh, I bet this big burly boy throws you around the bedroom, honey. He wiggled his lap a little bit. And I can tell he has a packed lunchbox just for you. I'd never heard that phrase before and it made me laugh. It would become one that to this day would pop out of my mouth at funny moments. It's just the beginning of the gay education.
Mark was up dancing with gay abandon, kind of literally, and I was grinning like a Cheshire cat as Andrew shook his head and laughed while the song played out. It wasn't Mozart or even really decent pop, but I loved it as much as Mark did, and every time I hear it now, Gina G sparks memories and a warm smile. Over the coming three years in Sydney, Mark would be a friend who would show me much of what the world was like when you are different. When marriage, children and the white picket fence were no longer an option, Mark was the friend who showed me one of the truths of being gay. We couldn't choose or always trust and like our biological families, but we could choose, trust, like and love our gay families. And that's the same reason that so many birds with so many feathers flock together around the world. When safety is not at home, you must create a new home for yourself. Sadly, my time with Andrew would be limited. My youthful reverence for him would fade and his forgiveness of my selfish blinders would too, until one day we had that fateful word. It was over. And Andrew being true to himself helped me to find a real apartment, a bed and some basic furniture. He found this bird with its broken wing, nursed it back to life and knew exactly when to let me go, to fly and to go on to be me. The new apartment would soon be the home of so many memories. It would form a foundation stone in my chosen family. It would be sex, drugs, dance music, angry neighbours, the boy from episode 3 yelling at me from the street after I abandoned him in hospital, my best female friend in New Zealand visiting and getting it on with my straight boy I had a crush on, and the formation of four friendships that I still have to this day. Oh, Rushcutters Bay. The stories I could tell. But we aren't here to go down that particular rabbit hole, so suffice to say, a shout out to Barbie Killer, Silverback, Rebecca Lyon, and The Divine One. I love you all, and I think of you often. It makes my heart sing to know you have all gone on to such great lives. Andrew, sadly, I lost touch with, as I did with Mark. It was so much easier to do in the pre-internet days, when you were young and just a little bit self-obsessed. This has been a production of Adam Wright. I hold the copyright to this material. A huge thanks to my talented niece Grace Beard for turning my poorly written music into a theme music of Where's My Nigerian Prince. Next week, I will be back with episode 6, and I will tell you about my unrequited prince. Meanwhile, please send any feedback, comments, or requests to Where's My Nigerian Prince on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Gmail, and at Where'sMyNigerianPrince.com. Please spread the word. Oh, and don't forget the most important thing. Love yourself.